You're listening to Orange County's only station with critical business information, Critical Mass, with your host, Rick Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. This business talk show airs live on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at 3 p.m. And it's heard exclusively here on Orange County Radio Station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening in the future as a podcast, we encourage you to consider listening to the show live during our broadcast times. Thank you very much to our sponsors, Succession Strategy, Commerce National Bank, Smart Business Magazine, and Smart Stop Self Storage for bringing you the show today. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of business owners and CEOs, to make better and more informed decisions. And we do that by interviewing interesting guests who have something to share. And boy, do we have two today for that. Our first guest is Nicole Boyce, and she's the founder of the Global Genes Project. And you might remember her from being on the program earlier this year, and I've asked Nicole to come back to talk about the second annual Tribute to Champions of Hope. I have some audio that I picked up because she invited me to come, and I was on the blue carpet, and it was wonderful. Nicole, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Good to be back. So let's tell the audience a little bit about your gala. So um, the purpose of the gala is to bring, so we are an advocacy organization, a global advocacy organization focused on people, patients, families that are affected by rare conditions. And there are so many people um, that are working tirelessly to help impact this community of 7,000 diseases and 30 plus million people here in the U.S. So the goal of the event is to kind of bring together all of these innovators and interesting people that are just moving the needle and working tirelessly to help impact those patients and those that really haven't had any support. So it's kind of like the Academy Awards for rare disease. Right. It was a wonderful cross-section of families of, say, parents who have a child with a rare disease, um, people who are doing research corporations and companies that are involved trying to help to find cures and medication. It was just a wealth of different experiences. It was so well attended. It was such a beautiful evening. You know, we were while I was there, we were outside. It was a wonderful vibe going on. So I have a number of different audio drops. So I'm going to ask Paul, our engineer, just to bring some of them in during the time that you're here with us. So, Paul, why don't we get right to maybe two, the first two? We can listen to them. Then maybe I can ask you to react to them because I know you're not quite sure who I interviewed. But (laughs) let's listen to it and have a conversation. Okay, Paul. This is Rick Franzi with Critical Mass Radio, and I'm talking with... John Carey. John, why are you here? So I'm uh, honored and privileged to be one of the award winners tonight, and I'm actually the physician, the medical caregiver, who was honored uh, for my work with families of rare diseases. Rare diseases. Until I had Nicole on our show earlier this year, I was unaware of how prevalent in aggregate rare diseases are. Can you share a little bit about how how prevalent they are in our society? Well, in order to be called a rare disease, there has to be about less than one out of a thousand people who have that particular condition. So conditions like high blood pressure and diabetes, of course, wouldn't qualify as a rare disease. But if you put them all together, you're talking about five to ten percent of people having what individually might be considered a rare disease. That's an astronomical percentage, isn't it? Five to ten percent. Yes, we're talking about in children conditions that cause disability or early death or chronic diseases or birth defects, you know, such as spina bifida and cystic fibrosis and related conditions. And what do you think of this organization and the event tonight? Well, I, since, you know, the support of rare diseases is close to my heart, and this is a really fabulous organization to help forward that cause, I couldn't be more tickled to be here. Well, congratulations on your being an honoree as well. Thank you. Thank you. This is Rick Franzi at the second annual Tribute to Champions of Hope, put on by the Global Genes Project. And who am I speaking with? Amy Gleason. Amy, why are you here tonight? I'm here representing CareSync. We're a patient advocacy organization that helps patients get their medical records. And I'm also representing CureJM. It's a nonprofit that helps patients with juvenile myositis. I am not aware of that disease. Can you describe it a little bit, please? Sure. It's an autoimmune disease that affects the vascular system. And it first appears on the skin and muscles and then spreads to other organs as well. Does it qualify as a rare disease? Yes, there are about 3,000 to 5,000 children with it in the U.S. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you. 
Well, I think the first two guests are a good sampling of the type of people who show up at your uh, event. Can can you share a little bit about the backstory, maybe, on sure. each of those? Sure. So, first of all, Dr. John Kerry was one of 200 individuals that were nominated globally for this particular award. So, how it works is we go out to the rare disease global community and, and ask them to um, nominate those that they think are deserving of an award like this. So, so it is truly an honor. Um, like I said, there was there was a, a global nominations um, for physicians and caregivers that are going above and beyond the call of duty to help you know these patients where you know there are so few people that know or understand or support or or work on these particular conditions so dr carey is a very special hmm. special advocate for the community that he serves it's actually called trisomies this trisomy conditions and amy gleason is you know one of those rock stars that um is an is a parent advocate um of a child with uh, juvenile dermatomyositis. Um, and, and as a result of this, um, she's also in the software, uh, technology sector and she's kind of taken her passion to help not only her child and those other children affected by rare conditions, but now has, has created kind of a, a nonprofit slash do good social enterprise hmm. off of their for-profit organization to help others in the rare disease community be more effective in aggregating their their electronic medical records and helping them be more more effective in being an advocate for their patient for their kids or for their loved ones so she's a she's a, equally as a rock star well no it's um i said it there in the interview but i wasn't aware <clears throat> nor could i probably spell what she said that yeah. her, her daughter her, her child had and i think that's probably common unfortunately in the rare disease community you you find out your child is, has something and it, it's not even in your consciousness to right. what that is well and that's why we try to kind of simplify it i mean how can the world embrace this cause if we can't even pronounce anything or understand it so you know if we get back to the basics like what is this about it's about it's about a rare disease community it's about one in ten americans 350 million people world Worldwide, and it's about what can we do to help these one of these seven thousand very small conditions right. um, that need help and support and awareness and recognition, and so so that's kind of you know what the goal is in supporting this community. It's as easy as throwing on a pair of jeans and a denim ribbon, and okay, you know, making it that simple. All right, let's uh, listen to one more audio drop from the event. This is Rick Franzi. I'm at the second annual Tribute to Champions of Hope put on by the Global Genes Project, and I'm standing next to... Jack Johnson. Jack, why are you here? Um, I'm here to represent a section of the rare disease community, uh, those affected by Fabry disease, which is one of the orphan conditions, and to be able to uh, learn and see what um, is available for advocates such as me that are able to come to events such as this and associate with uh, the Rare Genes Project. Are you here in Southern California? Actually, no. I flew in from uh, near Kansas City, Missouri. And what do you, have you been to this event before? This is the second annual. Were you here last year? Or is this your first time? Uh, I was actually able to attend last year as well. And what are you expecting from tonight? Um, really, I, from this evening, I'm expecting the opportunity to be able to uh, connect with some of my uh, comrades out there in the rare disease community and, and make new ties. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you very much. And I think that was a common theme. What I could tell is how you brought a community together who maybe felt isolated before because of the fact that these are rare diseases, and now you've been able to bring them into a shared community, which I think is really powerful, Nicole. Well, thank you. And and it is. I mean, the energy with this event, I mean, the majority of the people are coming in from out of town, which is kind of crazy because that doesn't really happen with events here in Southern Cal. So um, it is. It, it has been a pretty amazing journey, and the event's growing. Next year, you know, the event will happen again in September with um, our patient advocacy summit that's kind of tacked onto this and it it is growing to two days we had you know 200 people attend and 400 people watching it live and it will grow next year and then our event will grow we were sold out months before the event this year just due to lack of space um, and so we're hopeful that all of our sponsors will come back and that you know and and thank you for having us because one of our goals is to you know look beyond kind of the rare disease community and say who else cares about this right. community and these people and and uh, 
you know, it's a massive community. It's a huge market segment of the 30 million people affected. You know, think about those are people with a disease. That doesn't include their caregivers, like we talked about before. I mean, that means a third of the U.S. population is potentially impacted every day by rare disease. So there's a lot of opportunity to do good. There is a a tremendous community of true champions that are just desperate for, for help and support and recognition. And so, you know, we're trying to be a catalyst for that. And you're doing a great job. I'm with Nicole Boyce. She is the founder, executive director for the Global Genes Project, and we're reviewing some highlights of audio that I was able to catch her during her second annual tribute to Champions of Hope. We're going to be right back after these commercial words with Nicole and play a little more audio and talk about the event. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely, ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. I got stuff to the right, more stuff to the left. Got enough stuff, but I can't take a step. So I smart stopped and took a minute to think. I need a little better spot, not under the sink. With smart stop, I leave the stress at the door. Cause it's the smarter way to store. Smart stop bucks the system. Your first month's rent is just a buck. Your next three months are half off. Call 888-97-STORAGE and mention this station. Goodbye clutter, hello floors. Smart stop, the smarter way to store. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Nicole Boyce is our first guest. She is the founder and director of the Global Genes Project. We're talking about her second annual tribute to Champions of Hope. And um, before we do that, I'd like to thank those of you that have downloaded our radio show as a podcast. Last month, you downloaded over 13,000 episodes of the Critical Mass Radio Show series. And for that, I'd like to say thank you very much. We truly appreciate your support. All right. Uh, Nicole, I'm going to ask Paul to play two more audio clips from the uh, event and we'll talk about them after we listen to them hi this is rick franzi i'm at the second annual tribute to champions of hope it's put on by the global genes project and who am i talking to i am greg simon i'm the ceo of polywog and i'm here tonight to present the awards for collaboration in the united states and in england and for advocacy it sounds like in the rare disease community, collaboration is a very important aspect of finding cures and working together. Can you give me your perspective on that? Well, what I like to say is we're all rare, and but we are rare often because we have a condition beyond our control. And what is in our control is the ability to collaborate to come up with common answers to common problems, from the smallest problems to the biggest problems. So I'm here because the organization I started 10 years ago with Mike Milken called Faster Cures promoted more collaboration among nonprofits, for-profits, industry and the government and academia because that's something in our control and it just wasn't happening. Well, that's fantastic. I hope you have a good time tonight and it's nice meeting you. Thank you. I'm already having a good time. This is Rick Franzi. I'm at the second annual Tribute to Champions of Hope Gala put on by the Global Genes Project, and I'm speaking with... Uh, Dr. Stephen Groff, uh, Director of the Office of Rare Diseases Research at the National Institutes of Health and the National Center for Advancing Translational Sciences. A lot of bureaucratic names there. So I'd like to, I'd like to see that on a business card. That, that, that doesn't fit. Why are you here, Doctor? I'm here, among other reasons, really, to, to receive the Lifetime Achievement Award in Rare Diseases Research. I've had the a uh, unique opportunity to work in rare diseases for over 31 years, first at the Food and Drug Administration in the Office of Warfarin Products Development, and since 1989 at the National Institutes of Health as Director of the Office of Rare Diseases Research. And the other, one of the other major purposes is to provide support to the uh, Global Genes Rare Project 
as they continue to grow and gain tremendous experience in working with the patient advocacy groups, the industry, the research community, and all the other partners that are required to speed up the development of orphan products for rare diseases. I was surprised to learn from Nicole how common, how prevalent rare diseases are in aggregate. From your perspective, what has happened in the development, the awareness for uh, rare diseases? I, I think with over the years, uh, we finally have reached the point where the, the public has a much better understanding of rare diseases and orphan products. The patient advocacy groups have taken on a, a different role of becoming um, more expressive of, about the disease uh, to reveal to the public the concerns and their needs, uh, medical needs, uh, health care needs, and also the financial needs that, that, that uh, the patients and the family encounter as they try to live with a rare disease and, and as they move along the road attempting to gain treatments for their diseases. And unfortunately, for most rare diseases, they are genetic in origin, and we don't have adequate treatment um, for most of the 6,500 6, different rare diseases. So it's a tremendous uphill uh, struggle for, for most patient groups, but we are making progress. It, it's slow to come, um, but we, we now have uh, product approvals here in the United States for uh, for over 430 different products. So it's slow, but, but we're making progress. Well, congratulations on receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award. Thank you very much, Rick. This is, this is unbelievable, and uh, I'm, I'm very humbled by, by the whole ceremony and just being nominated first and then uh, being given this, this, this tremendous award tonight. Uh, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you, Rick. Good. All right, we're back live. And, Nicole, I just want to say those were two heavyweights, luminaries in the field. Maybe you can share with our audience a little bit about each each individual I just interviewed. Sure. So Greg Simon actually has a really interesting background. He was a former um, senior advisor to Al Gore. Um, and Mike Milken, um, not sure if the audience knows, a billionaire out of out of Los Angeles, started sure. the Milken Institute, a huge think tank, um, actually uh, um, brought Greg on to start Faster Cures. And the goal, like Greg said, was to really talk about how can science and industry and people collaborate to bring treatments to uh, you know the world much more quickly so very innovative and Greg's just an uber thinker and so grateful that he came to be part of the event so I mean he you can see just how I mean he's so articulate and wonderful and amazing so a great guy um, Dr. Groft is someone who is just phenomenal he's globally recognized as kind of the mother Teresa for rare disease I mean he has an incredible following he reports directly to Dr. Francis Collins who heads up the National Institute of Health and Dr. Dr. Groft has been, you know, an advocate for over 30 years for rare disease, helping helping build this particular institute within the National Institutes of Health. And, um, you know, his impact on patients and the community and, you know, his ability to kind of bring the, the community together is, is not the norm for someone in the government mm-hmm. um, and not the norm for this industry. So he's kind of always, um, you know, uh, tooted the same horn, you know, talked about this importance of collaboration and bringing these people together. And so the Lifetime Achievement Award, actually, it started last year, obviously, the first year, but it, um, it is named after a, a very successful businessman called Henry Tremere, who's a former CEO of Genzyme. And so so, so Steve Groft was awarded the Henry Tremere Lifetime Achievement Award. And for everyone in the rare disease community, that's a pretty big deal. And, um, you know, hopefully someday it will become a big deal to the rest of the world. But, uh, sure it will be. Yeah. So, uh, but no, he's, Dr. Groft is just an incredible human being, um, and we are honored to have him join. And, and and grateful that he accepted. Right. Okay, let's listen to a couple more. Paul? Here, this is Rick Franzi at the second annual Tribute to Champions of Hope. The Global Gene Project presents this event. This is the second year, and who am I speaking with? Frida Hernandez, and I'm Vice President of Strategic Initiatives for Siren Interactive. And what does your firm do? We do interactive marketing, and that's building web informational destinations for patients and caregivers in the rare disease space. It's an interesting space that I didn't know much about, honestly, before I had Nicole Boyce on my show. It's amazing how prevalent rare diseases are when you look at them in aggregate. Why are you here tonight? 
Well, we're here to support Global Genes and Nicole and her mission. Um, we are a corporate alliance member, so we help to develop strategies and tools to move the organization forward. Are you here in Orange County? No, we're in Chicago. So it's nice to be in Orange County. It's really nice to be in Orange County, especially tonight. It's a lovely night. Well, it was nice to meet you. Thank you very much. Likewise. Wonderful group of people, just, you know, really genuine and easy to talk to, very approachable and excited to talk about why they were there and why they're supporting your organization. Can you talk a little bit, in addition to the raising awareness, were you able also to use this event or how does the event help from a, from a fundraising or from a, from a revenue income money perspective? Sure. Um, and thank you for bringing that up. So, um, this year we have, um, we had a very specific ask. So this isn't like your traditional nonprofit event. This is truly like an awards, um, award, an evening awards reception and, and tribute. Um, but, during our event, we actually played a video and had two guest speakers and they were, they were individuals, parents that have had undiagnosed kids for over one for nine years and one for 13 years. Both of these individuals had access to the best healthcare in the world. Some of them to one family have parents that are biotech execs. So they have access to all the thought leaders and the latest technologies. And imagine, imagine looking at your child every single day and saying, I don't know what's wrong. Clearly they're disabled. They're having troubles learning. They have a, a, a ton of special needs. Over the last year and a half, there's been a new technology that's actually come to fruition and it's in its become affordable and it's called exome sequencing or gene genome sequencing and that might sound all crazy and complex but the net net is basically there's a test that can look at your genes and basically tell you what's wrong and identify on your whole entire genome um, what it is that's causing your issues um, and so a family that that met a, a geneticist or reconnected with a geneticist at our event last year was informed by this geneticist that, that there's this new technology and she was at UCI, Dr. Virginia Kimonis. Hmm. Um, and she then proceeded to let them know about the sequencing that's available. They partnered with Ambry Genetics, that's also a local um, organization here um, in Aliso Viejo, a genetic testing firm. And they were able to identify after, so this family has three kids, a 13-year-old, um, you know, a, 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 a little daughter in between, and then a, a one-and-a-half-year-old. The, the oldest and the youngest were diag- were had the same issues. They didn't know what it was. And after all of these years and this one test, they were able to di- identify what these kids had. They're like one in four kids in the, in the world with this rare condition, but they had answers. And now they have a next step. Right. So the goal for us at this event was, and then we have a, one of our board members, like I said, who same situation, nine-year-old son, best health care, access to whatever they needed, still don't have a diagnosis. They're going through the process right now with an organization out of Arizona called TGen that is also sequencing genes and looking to help find answers. So our ask, we had one ask at this event, and it was to help us fund hope for other families of undiagnosed patients. Mm. And with one ask, in five minutes, we were able to raise over $100,000. Wow. Um, to help help families, so we are, we'll continue this appeal through the end of the year, and the goal is to raise as much money as we can so that we can next year at next year's event bring these families together that have been able to find answers for the first time right. and help them on the the next step on this journey. I mean, it's still a complex and crazy journey with not a lot of answers, but it's better than having none. Right. Yeah. I can't imagine not being able to figure out or have anyone help you to tell you what your child is sick with or has as a disease. That is amazing. Paul, can we play two more audio clips, please? This is Rick Franzi, and who am I talking to? Hi, Rick. It's Jeff Scott and my wife, Diana. Diana Scott. And why are you both here tonight? Oh, this is one of our favorite grant recipients. We're uh, excited to learn about their uh, program and the uh, community that they're building. Have you been to these events before? This is the second annual. By any chance, were you here last year or this is your first year? Um, no, it's our first year. So what are you expecting from tonight? I have no idea, and I like it that way. Well, it was nice seeing you both tonight. Thanks. You too. This is Rick Franzi. Who am I speaking with? Uh, Stephanie Magnus. And why are you here, Stephanie? I'm here because I have Friedrich's ataxia, which is a rare neurological disorder. Um, and we were invited by Biopharma because they're working on a drug that's going to clinical trial for FA. So we got invited. It's very nice to meet you. It's very nice to meet you, too. 
Thank you. This is Rick Franzi with Critical Mass Radio. Who am I speaking with? Uh, Greg Alton. And Craig, why are you here? Uh, a couple reasons. Number one, my son, James, here, has a rare undiagnosed disease, and my wife is on the board. And your name is? Caroline Lowy. How long have you been on the board of the Global Genes Project? Um, since the founding of it, which was amazingly only a few years ago, uh, what's been able to happen to the organization joining all the rare disease groups together. This is an amazing event. This is the second annual event. Seems like it's a great lineup tonight. Yeah, we're excited about uh, the number of people that have become interested, both patient groups and bringing those people together with uh, industry groups that are helping develop drugs for rare diseases and the support that we've gotten from um, stars and various celebrities supporting the cause as well. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you. Well, that's uh, a summary of, of, of all the people that I was able to get to, and as you could hear it with the background noise, there were quite a number of other people that I just didn't have time to talk to before your event started, but to see the maturity of it for being only the second annual and the way that, as you said earlier, people came from all over to participate in this event, what a venue too at the Balboa Bay Club. Final thoughts on what you heard in the audio and kind of from the event, and also I'd like to let our audience know how they can learn more about your project. Sure, thanks. Um, you know, every year we try to make this a very meaningful, special event. A couple... I I just wanted to recognize a couple other local people here that were participated. So Andrew McMahon was actually um, an Emmy nominated um, musician here. Um, that's he's based in Orange County. He's a leukemia lymphoma survivor. Um, his band, Sianni, or um, Jack's Mannequin, um, has a global following, and he participated in our event for the first time. And you know, it was neat because we were able to have another brain cancer survivor actually introduce him. Hmm. Um, so it, it's that special connection that's so neat. Everything, everything means something at this event. Um, the other, um, you know, we, we had another um, kind of make a wish type moment for another patient advocate that we flew out that got to introduce um, another one of our entertainers, the band. Cimarelli, um, an internet sensation recently signed to Island Records. Just so, so she, you know, she was able to come and enjoy and be part of this community for the first time and get to sit at the table of her favorite band. And, you know, so, so. I, you know, like we'd said last time, you know, this is a growing event. We're a growing global cause and organization, and um, we're grateful for the support from those in the community. If if we had one ask, it would be, you know, for those business leaders on, you know, listening to the radio, you know, we are looking to help make an impact, you know, much like we've the success that we've seen with some of the other big causes like breast cancer and AIDS. And so let's think of ways that we can help engage your organization, um, you know, so that so that you can help this community that so desperate in need of, of something of anything um, and and our website it's it's www.globalglobal genes g-e-n-e-s dot org call me anytime 949-248-7273 um, anyone on our team would be happy to talk and, and help and again so grateful for your time again to have us here I mean we're honored to be here on your show you've done a great job thank with you. this project thank you for being the driving force behind it and I can't wait to see what the third annual event is like yeah, Nicole, <laughs> Nicole Boyce thank you for your time ladies thank and gentlemen you. we're going to take a short commercial time out and we'll be right back here on Critical Mass Radio Show thank you Smart Business Network is a business to business multimedia company providing insight advice and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.sbnonline.com. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863. 
or visit him online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Rick Franzi, host of the Critical Mass Radio Show, and our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on our radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our show. Uh, we deliver over 30,000 highly targeted sponsor impressions a month. So to learn more about advertising on our program, call our advertising department at 949-887-4104. Yeah, that's number 4104. All right. Amy Jo Padoni is our second guest. And for those of you that were expecting to hear her about five minutes ago, I apologize, but we just finished up with the Global Genes Project. She is the owner and a certified chocolatier, and her company is Valenza Chocolatier Incorporated. She came to my attention, oh, a month or two ago before she made her international trip, so I'm so delighted to have her on the program. Amy Jo, welcome to the program. Oh, thanks so much for having me. So let's start by talking about you. You're the first professional chocolatier that I know personally, so that's an exciting thing. I didn't even really connect that there was a professional owner certified chocolatier. Tell us a little about a bit about your path to starting your firm. Yeah, well, first, thank you again for having me and letting me share my passion of chocolate to all of Orange County. So I, you know, actually, you know, in kind of leading off with Nicole, you know, I had that moment in life where I was either, you know, a blessing or a curse where I was left with a moment of if I had to do things different, what would I do after the passing of my cousin to ovarian cancer? She was 37 years old. It was the end of 2008, and it really shook me to my core. She was basically like a sister to me. Mm. And I had gone through the corporate grind. I was in commercial real estate lending with a 13-year career, um, successful career with, you know, with Fortune 100 companies. And I was putting my passion into something that I knew I wasn't getting back. And her, you know, her passing and her struggle and her fight against ovarian cancer kind of left me with that you know, life is really short and you need to find your passion and you need to execute it because you never, you cannot live with regret. Um, so after her passing, I, you know, I was really left with, you know, what is my passion? Um, I had gone through that corporate grind. I, I loved what I was doing, but I wasn't getting what I wanted in return. Mm -hmm. And I never really got to tap into my creative side because you know, I was hustle, bustle, sales, you know, the whole grind. So basically, I can see that. yeah, so I'm kind of an, a, you know, type A overachiever. Yeah, <laughs> but you're pleasant to be around. Exactly. Okay. So, so basically, you know, I had stepped away from my career to actually go through her, her treatment process. And at the time I couldn't believe I had stepped away, but it really left me with valuable time with no regret. So after her passing, I was like, okay, I need to get back to work. But then I was like, but wait, I'm forever changed. Um, my mom had always dabbled in chocolate. We had made turtles at Christmas. She'd been making chocolate covered cherries probably before I was born actually. And on my dad's side of the family, the Italian side, my grandma had been making, you know, the Italian cookies every year for Christmas. She was a cook by trade. The entrepreneur gene had dated back to when my grandparents came over. My great grandparents came over from Sicily. Mm. So, you know, I had that drive in me, but I just didn't know like, well, how do you do this? Like, can I do this? Do I need to go back to pastry school? Um, I don't know. I have no idea. I've always worked for somebody. I've had a marketing department, an IT department, all these things. So right. I basically, you know, used my due diligence skills that I, you know, had mastered over the, my career and um, found a certified chocolatier program actually out of Canada um, and enrolled in it. It took me about a year to get through. Um, I did an internship um, with them. It's Echo Chocola, um, out of um, BC, Canada, and went up there to an adorable chocolate shop up there to do an internship and to, to really know, like, is this really what I want to do? I had never worked in a kitchen. Um, wow. I had never been in food service except, you know, bartending in college, <laughs> which I don't really think counts. <laughs> um, and, and so from there, you know, I basically was like, I need to try because again, the message of you cannot live with regret. Right. And at the end of the day, I always knew, you know, hopefully I could go back to my old career. I, you know, and 
if it didn't work out, but I needed to try. I couldn't have that what if. Um, so obviously with my supportive husband by my side, um, I went through the process and then, so I basically 2009 was, or no, I'm sorry, 2010 was basically all of my training. And then 2011 was more of like research and development, figuring out the Orange County market. Like, is there a chocolate need? What, what would my niche be? Um, how could I blend my Italian side with the chocolate side, coming up with my business plan, finding a commercial kitchen, you know, the legality of opening up a business in California. So all those things. So that brought me to the beginning of this year where I officially incorporated and launched. And Valenza Chocolatier is basically, it's an Italian-inspired artisan chocolate and confection company. Everything either has an Italian ingredient or it's an old family recipe, like an Italian cookie recipe that I've converted into ganache flavors. Wow. So, and how did you come up with the name? Well, Valenza is actually my maiden name. Okay. So, yes. So it's a family name. Yes, All right. yes. So there you go. Uh, we've got about three minutes. So let me ask you a little bit about you now and how you're planning to build and grow. I call it your guiding principle. So can you think about what your guiding principle is, of all the lessons you've learned in your professional career, and sort of how does that come into Valenza Chocolate? Yeah. So, you know, I really, like you said, I applied that, you know, I was a green belt certified lean project, all those buzzwords from corporate America, you know, your goals and objectives, your SWOT analysis, your break even, all that stuff. Yeah, that's great. But at bottom line, what's my core value, you know, and looking at, you know, what sets me different than what's around me. And really it's the authenticity of my brand. Um, I, I feel that I am bringing such a unique niche in the chocolate world to our area. So it's from, you know, what wholesale opportunities that I go into, what specialty stores, to tapping into the restaurant market, to actually having a bonbons on the menu where chocolate's not really has been a thing on menus that you see because it is so specific and typically the pastry chefs won't do it. Um, And to actually having people are really into that artisan gift. Right. Um, they're into the buying local. Yes. And it, and it's so easy to, to get to tap into that. And especially okay. I think in our economy, even though we're, you know, people are pulling back and we've had struggles over the last five plus years, they really want to know who they're buying from. And the right. support has just been phenomenal. Well, we're going to talk more about the company and what your growth plans are and all that, ladies and gentlemen. But first, a little time for business. We're going to take a very short two-minute break, so don't go away from your computer or smartphone or however you're listening to the radio show today on octalkradio.net, broadcasting from the -the state-of-the-art facilities and tech space here in Costa Mesa, California. We'll be right back with Amy Jo Padoni after these words from our sponsors. My company made the switch to Commerce National Bank about six months ago. Our relationship officer was there every step of the way to make the transition as seamless as possible. We had an early hiccup with a deposit scanner, but they dropped everything and drove right to our offices to help. We couldn't feel better about our decision to switch. Instead of calling an 800 number and navigating through automated menus, now I call my Commerce National Bank relationship officer directly for any questions we have. Just knowing that they're so easily accessible and willing to help really puts me at ease. They offer the same technology as the big banks, but deliver it with superior service and training. They're also rated a full five stars by Bauer Financial. So if your organization is a small or medium-sized business in Orange County, you should make the switch too. Call Mary Miller, Senior Vice President, at 949-870-3863 or visit them online at www.commercenatbank.com. That's commercenatbank.com. Give Commerce National a chance to do better than your bank, and they'll handle the rest. If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. 
Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plans and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Aren't we having fun today? Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. I'd like to thank and acknowledge again the listeners who listen to our program via downloads from Apple iTunes, Stitcher, or other business podcasting services. As I said earlier in the show, over 13,000 downloads, episodes of the radio show were downloaded over the last 30 days, and we truly appreciate your continued support. All of our shows can be heard live here on Orange County Radio Station OC, talkradio.net, or rebroadcast anytime, as I said, from the podcasting services we use, iTunes and Stitcher, and we found a number of other business podcasting services, and you can find all the links on our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. All right, Amy Jo, uh, tell us a little bit more about your brand and your, I know that you were featured in the Golden Foodie Awards, and I wonder if you can discuss this event and the impact this exposure has had on your firm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Golden Foodie Awards is actually kind of the Golden Globes of our, or the Orange County food um, community. So basically, it's an award show that the people vote of Orange County okay. the best of the best. Wow. So every type of cuisine, um, to food blogging, to desserts, etc. And I actually was asked to to be a featured dessert um, on the tables um, and create a signature bonbon. It was a bonbon of gold um, by the organization. Um, it's actually put on by the OC Restaurant Association. Um, Pamela and Trisha are the are the the brains behind this, right. and it was a second annual. Um, and actually, it was really interesting how that all came about. Um, I actually work out of the Hood Kitchen um, space in Costa Mesa, so I am a Costa Mesa business. Um, the owners, Shelby and Christy, were actually at another event, and they were sitting next to Pamela and Trisha, and they got talking about the Golden Foodies, and they were like, you know, we're really looking for a chocolate person, and they were like, well, we have one in our kitchen. Wow. And so it, it really goes back to the heart of Orange County. What I've noticed, you know, kind of switching from that corporate world to the small business world, here in Orange County, I feel like no matter what your business is, the small business community is out there to help you and support you. and give. And give you that chance because that's, that's what you need, you know? Right. So basically, you know, Pamela and Trisha took a total chance on me. I mean, I just launched in May and they were like, can you make 800 bonbons? <laughs> You know, and oh, by the way, this is like a week after you get back from Italy, yeah. you know, so, but they took that chance on me to, to see if I could execute and it, it was phenomenal. And for me, what it really did was it opened my name up to the whole Orange County food. What a target demo. Right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, to, to, so now, you know, when I go into these restaurants, I can say these things or they've actually taste my stuff because it was either on the tables or in the swag bags. Uh -huh. So, it, I mean, when it was a built in PR and marketing, but it was also getting people to taste my product because that's it speaks for itself. I can sit here and talk blue about how great it is and won these awards and etc. But until you get that in their mouth to understand it, you know that's the opportunity that the Golden Foodie Awards gave me. Yeah, I think that's such a powerful powerful advantage that people in your space, not just with chocolate but other foods, have the real opportunity, which is letting prospects sample. Getting in places where people can sample your wares, and if they like it, they become clients. They don't have anything like that in the power of the peer group, except having them experience something. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really powerful. And and you're right. I do believe the small business community and, and people will look out for you once they understand who you are and help you grow. And it's really important because this type of, I can only imagine this type of exposure, what that's going to mean for you for the rest of this year and the next year. I feel very right? blessed, yes. All right, so let's talk about your international travel. You just came back from two weeks in Italy, and we've got about five minutes here. But I, I, I know that you went to, you went to Italy to spend time working on your master chocolatier training. I can only imagine. That just sounds like fun to me, but I'm sure it was a lot of hard work and learning. But can you discuss this experience and maybe explain 
any new chocolate trends you saw during the training or what was that experience like for you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, through Echol Chocolat, which is the program out of Vancouver, um, Pam Williams has put together basically five master training programs. So I could have gone to Valrona. I could have gone to the Chocolate Academy. I, I mean, I could have gone anywhere really in Europe. But I chose the Italy program clearly for my branding because right. of what I sense. stand for, obviously. Right. Right. So basically, it was it's a it's an intensive seven day training where your you're basically thrown into the chocolate world. So we started in Milan. That's where we met. We went to Torino. Torino is basically the chocolate capital of Italy. It's where where Gianduja, which is basically you know chocolate and hazelnut paste, which started in the Napoleon era, um, where that came from. It's where Nutella is actually driven from, Gianduja. They have very traditional chocolates. And I really wanted to grasp what that what that is and how can I bring that back and put that into my product type. So it was really immersing myself in what makes Italian chocolate different than let's say Paris or the Swiss. Um, and then in addition, we went to, um, Ecamm, which is the largest Italian chocolate maker in Lecco, which is right outside of Lake Como. And we got to tour there. They have a chocolate facility of which it's over five, or I'm going to say this wrong, 50,000 square feet facility where they actually are a bean to bar. Actually, I say farm to bar chocolate maker. They're working with local farmers in specific regions to then purchase the beans and then take the beans back to Italy and Mm -hmm. begin the roasting and making chocolate. Um, So in their facility, they actually have a school where they have hired these two world-renowned pastry chefs and chocolatiers to actually bring in chefs from all over the world to teach them how to use their chocolate and understand Mm. what makes their chocolate different, but then also how to use it with the local ingredients that they typically make their bonbons, you know, bars or different confections out of. So then, so we basically spent three in, days in the in the kitchen mm-hmm. hands on you know making i think we made over um nine different bonbons wow. um and you know it was interesting because you know the chefs were italian obviously <laughs> and they spoke italian so we had an amazing translator um but it was really interesting just to watch their dynamic and you know their passion and how such simple ingredients just like when you, you experience their past, their other food, their pasta dishes, their meats, their fishes, how they take such simple ingredients and make it into such a fantastic presentation and flavor. And it's not about mixing all these different spices, etc. It's the simplicity of the ingredient pairing with the chocolate. And so would you, from your perspective, is that what makes Italian chocolate different than the other chocolates that you talked about? Yeah, I would say the simplicity. Um, they use a lot of nuts, which... You know, hazelnuts, obviously, pistachios, a lot of dried fruits. Um, they don't really get into the cocoa butter and the decorative look that you see from the other areas of Europe. Um, there, it's so, it's so visually, it'll look beautiful from, because they'll use chocolate to decorate it, but they won't use coloring as much. So, you know, it's that constant battle between the visual Mm -hmm. versus the taste, which, you know, is is something that when I come back, when I came back here, you know, that I have to look at because, you know, I think we're very visual with food, but, you know, it's really the taste is what's, you know, I feel is more important, is more important. So very traditional. Um, they, they keep true to kind of their core ingredients and they don't really go with the trends. So you're not going to see the bacon and chocolate. You're not going to see all the different, you know, crazy spices. Um, they just keep it very simple and perfect it over the years. So if someone would like to learn more about you and your brand, Tell us your online, your social media, what's going on in that space for yeah. you. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that the social media thing is, is a whole other job in itself. I mean, I feel like I wear like a million hats, obviously. You're an entrepreneur. I know. Yeah. I know. Welcome to it. Um, <laughs> so, but basically I, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have my website. I do a, I do a monthly newsletter. Um, but what I really try to do different than I think, and this is kind of out there, you know, for the rest of, you know, the listeners 
is I think we're getting to a point where we have all this social media and we connect it all and it's the same content in mm. all of the, uh, right. you know, between Facebook, Twitter. And so what's happening is the consumer is getting bombarded with the same thing three or four different times. So what I'm trying to do is really stagger the content be- and using different content between e- and knowing who who's actually liking it. I feel my Twitter is more business related. I feel like my Instagram is more visual people and they're not necessarily on Facebook. Okay. And so my Facebook is, you know, only two to three posts a week. And then my newsletter is just a once a month, you know, to say, hey, here are the specials for the month. If you want more, you can go to all these other social media outlets. But I'm I'm really trying to bring my customers into my story and take my journey with me as, you know, like a complete startup, just seeing how it happens and watching it grow. And it's, you know, I have to thank everyone who has been extremely supportive to, you know, obviously my family and friends, but just, again, the embracing of the community and the food bloggers and just it's just been phenomenal and so i'm really taking my customer on that journey so whatever you whatever way you join and follow me you know will drive you back to my website and so i'm building a direct business you know and you can also pick up the phone and call me but then also creating a corporate you know, customer, you know, I think the corporate gifting is a huge segment because again, you may not be doing the big closing dinners anymore because your, but your marketing budget's been cut down or, you know, the different golf outings, et cetera. But you really want to make a statement to your client and thank them or make you stand out in such a competitive market. So I've been really kind of tapping into that corporate segment as well. So I've kind of got a few different niches and I play that out differently within my social media. Um, but it's just get connected. So how do we find you online? <laughs> ValenzaChocolatier.com. How do you spell that? V-A-L-E-N-Z as in zebra A and then Chocolatier, which is always challenging. C-H-O-C-O-L-A-T-I-E-R.com. She said that without looking at anything. So she actually does not <laughs> spell. I'm very impressed. D- did you mention a marketing program that you had going on or a social media campaign? Yeah, absolutely. So now through um, the month of October, what I'm doing is, is I anyone who likes any of my social media um, sites as well as joining my um, newsletter campaign, they will be entered in to win a box of my Tortarugas, which is actually a turtle. It's a uh, mm. 61% dark chocolate um, with my very... Very wonderful caramel recipe with um, roasted pecans and a little secret layer of salt. It was actually the blue winner, blue ribbon winner at this year's OC Fair Culinary Arts um, wow. section. Yeah, and actually, I was just voted um, last weekend at the LA well two weekends ago at the LA Chocolate Salon for um, I won gold for best comfort chocolate. Wow. So those tortarugas are ex- excellent. So yeah, so you'll there'll be five in a bo- in a custom box, and so then I'll do a raffling at the end of the month to see who wins. So well, I hope someone who's listening either live today or as a podcast, I hope many of you go online, do that, like her, uh, follow her, enter the drawing, and maybe a loyal listener to Critical Mass Radio Show may come home with a wonderful box of chocolates. They'll love it. Well, I want to thank you for being a friend of the program. Wish you nothing but continued success. Keep winning awards, placing your product, and, and nothing but great things in the future for you, Amy Jo. I really enjoyed thank this you, time Rick. together. And I'm going to thank our engineer today, Paul Roberts, for engineering the show bringing in the audio, did a great job. Our producer is Rachel Franzi. Our guest coordinator is Kathleen Shepard. And our marketing communications manager is Kelly Faltis. Uh, This is your host, Rick Franzi, saying until the next time we have a chance to talk, here's hoping that all of your decisions will move your business in a positive direction. You've been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show right here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.